I am always uh, grateful for the opportunity to be able to share some things from God's Word. And I trust that uh, for the th next few moments we'll be able to consider some things that that I consider are important, and I hope you do too. And because they come from God's Word, I know God thinks they're important, and so that's what's really we need to consider. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, The deeds of the flesh are evident, and then he gives us a list. At the end of that list, he says, if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's pretty, he's pretty definite. And then in verse 22, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is. And then he gives us a list. And at the end of that list, he says, Against such there is no law. I've come to the conclusion that the reason that's no, it, there is no law against it because it is a heart thing. It's how your heart is. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My task this morning, as you see behind me, is to deal with the subject of faithfulness. One of the neat things about having an exhaustive concordance, and some of you may not even know what that is, but let may say to you that one of the neat things about having an exhaustive concordance is when you look up a biblical word it gives you all of the passages where that word is used and so I went on a search and these are my findings the word faith occurs 244 times in the scriptures Faithful occurs 95 times, and faithfulness 41 times. And so I come to a conclusion. And my conclusion is that faith must be important to God. If he's reminded us of all of those times concerning faith. When we come to looking at this kind of subject, I think there are three important questions for us to ask. What is faith anyway? And so the scripture gives us a definition. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And so another question might come to our minds. Well, how important is it anyway? 
The Hebrew writer also tells us in the sixth verse of that very same chapter, without faith it is impossible to please God. You decide how important it is. <laughs> and so then we might ask the third question, well, how do I get it? I got the definition. I understand how important it is. Now, how do I get it? And interesting, Paul gives us the answer to that too in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, for he says, for, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I was thinking about this idea of faithfulness, I was trying to come up with a definition of it. And I was having a great deal of difficulty because how do you describe that word? How do you describe faithfulness? And so I want you to think about this. Making faith a living reality in one's life. Now, you may come up with a better definition than that, and that's okay. That's okay. But I would challenge you this morning as you think about this subject, you think about a definition for it yourself. What does that mean to you? To have faithfulness as part of your Christian experience. I have some quotes that I'd like to share with you. There are many ways to please God, but none of them without faith. Faithfulness is something that honors God and God honors faithfulness. When faithfulness seems most difficult, it has become the most important. <clears throat> Are your troubles in life causing you to lose your faith or use your faith? As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, there are some things that happen in life that remind us of the consequences of unfaithfulness. We know what happens in a marriage relationship when there is unfaithfulness and the difficulties that come as a result of such. We understand the difficulties when it comes to Employer, employer and employee when it comes to unfaithfulness. And people lose their jobs because they aren't faithful to the task that they have been given. So we understand, we understand it in, in sort of a physical way. I would want us to think about this this morning as well. We have enjoyed the past two days together and as a result of that 
there has been much work done. There have been individuals who have been asked to bring food. There have been individuals who have been asked to provide lessons, to lead singing, to offer prayers, and a sundry of other things along the way. What would have happened if these individuals had have been unfaithful to their task? Think about it. I thought about this morning, I thought about getting up here and then we're going back down and sitting down and waiting there for a few minutes and see what happened. But because my knee is as bad as it is, I don't like to make the track. <laughs> But I really want you to think about that because it seems to me, it seems to me that we have a clear understanding of how important faithfulness is in individual things in our lives and in the things that we go about day by day. But we do not think about it as seriously as we ought to think about it when it comes to our relationship with God and his son and his church. So may I challenge you this morning to think seriously about that relationship. Being unfaithful or faithful is a choice. Being faithful or unfaithful is a choice. It's interesting to me that when Jesus taught while he was here on earth, he used it as a number of illustrations to describe particular things that were yet to come. In Matthew chapter 25, he begins that section by saying, then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to. And then he talks about some virgins getting ready for a wedding feast. And he talks about the five of them who were wise and five of them who were foolish and the foolish ones were not prepared for what had to come. But five of them were wise enough to come prepared and they got to go into the wedding feast and the foolish ones did not. And then he said, it is also compared to a man who gives his servants some talents. He gives one five, and he gives one two, and he gives another one one, and then he goes away, and he comes back and checks and sees how they have done. And the fellow who had, made, who had been given the five gained five more along the way, and Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then he talks to the guy he gave two, and he says, I have gained two more. And Jesus said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the one who he had been given one to, he went and buried his. And he brought it back to the master. And he said, here, this is what you gave me. And this is what I'm going to give you back. And Jesus describes him as a worthless servant. And as he does that, he tells him, Take that away from him and give it to one of the others. And he says, he will be cast out. 
he will be cast away into outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We think about faith and we think about its significance, and so I want to turn to some scriptures this morning, and I want you to consider the words of the Holy Spirit as he gives direction to individuals to write things that we need to know. Jude, verse 3. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to all the saints. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul says, Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith that are sons of Abraham. John chapter, or first John, pardon me, first John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, Paul says, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse nine. 
Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In 1941, my father and several others were enlisted in the army. And my father refused to put on the uniform and he refused to carry a gun. And he wasn't the only one that had that conviction. And as a result of their conviction, these young men were sent to Prince Albert to the National Park. And they built a road through the park with grub hose and axes and one team of horses with a, uh, a small piece of equipment that would move a small bit of dirt. It was called a Fresno. Some of you may know, but some of you may not, and that's okay. These young men were in their early 20s. Some of them had faith in God. And that was the reason why, for some of them, that they didn't want to go to war. And you may argue about that decision, and you go ahead and argue as much as you like. But that was the case. They didn't have to work on Sunday. And so several of these young men would go off by themselves in the bush where they had downed a large tree and they would sit on that large tree and they would take turns individually getting up and reading scriptures and they would have the Lord's Supper together because they believed it was important for them to remember. And let me tell you, it would have been easy for them to have been angry with God and their circumstances and not bother worshiping God. But they chose. They chose to worship God. Howard Kemp, Henry Grazley, Bill Foreman, my dad, and several others were part of that group. And you may know some of those men that I just mentioned. From 1942 
from the very first time that I heard about that, it has caused me to value what we're going to do in just a few moments. And then the years that God has given me life, since I obeyed the gospel, I think I could count on this hand the number of times that I've missed doing that. Oh God, God doesn't, God doesn't need us to do that nearly as much as we need to do that. Remember that God never asks his people to do something that they cannot do. I like, I like writing things down. I'm kind of glad that in the back of my Bible there's several blank pages and I have, it pretty much, I have them pretty much full in this New Testament that I carry of little quotes that I hear people say in sermons and classes and I write them down because I think they're important to remember and the older I get the, the, the happier I am that I've written them down because I would likely have forgotten them a long time ago. I want to share with you a couple from a wise man. That wise man is uh, in our audience this morning. He has been a mentor to me and an encourager to me for many years. His name is E.D. Weeb. He said this, I want my children to believe what I believe and so does God. And then he went on to teach about Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can read that chapter later. He also said that each individual has to have enough faith so that their children will also have enough to see them through. Tim Pepys, the preacher in Estevan, said, An immature faith is a great place to start your walk with God, but a terrible destination. May we strive to think about our faithfulness in terms of how we relate to these things. How do we relate to God in our faithfulness? How do we relate to his son? How about his word? How faithful are we with his word? How faithful are we with our brothers and sisters in Christ? How faithful are we with the gifts that he has given to us for us to use? One of the neat things, I think, about life is that you encounter every very many individuals who have had impacts on your lives for a very, very number of reasons. 
And so oftentimes those individuals are no longer with us, but some of the tidbits and some of the golden nuggets that they shared are things that we hang on to. And so I want to share another one with you this morning. Those guys that are in our audience this morning that have their last name as Knutson will appreciate this, and I hope the rest of you do as well. But these boys and I, we shared an uncle together because their uncle Arnold was married to my dad's sister, and so we shared that, un that uncle together. Uncle Arnold was a very interesting man in many, many ways. And one spring, he was having coffee with his friends in Glentworth, and, and it was a dry spring. And, uh, and the farmers there that had gathered for coffee were discussing about whether they should put the seed in the ground or not. And so one of them turned to Uncle Arnold and said, Well, Arnold, are you going to seed into that dust? And Uncle Arnold said, Yes, I am, because that's my responsibility, and I'll leave the rest to God. Guess what happened to the guys that didn't put any seeds in the ground? They didn't get a harvest. They didn't get a harvest. It seems to me that when we come to thinking about faithfulness, we need to be reminded often about things that the scripture has to say about those things that are valuable and those things that are really, really should make a difference in our lives on a day, from a day-to-day -day basis. First Timothy chapter four and verse 16, the apostle Paul says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching or to your doctrine, as some translations have it, persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. In Hebrews chapter 12, at the conclusion of the Holy Spirit giving instruction to the Hebrew writer to write down all of these examples of faith, all of the examples of people who were faithful to God with the tasks that they had been given. And as he concludes it, he says this, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we have a great, great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, this morning we have a list of all of these characters listed in chapter 11. And the writer says, I don't have time to talk about all of them. <laughs> I find that interesting. <laughs> can't, 
can't talk about all there's I, there's just too many. How many of us would we put in the list? If that was being written today. Would we be described as faithful individuals worthy of being put in written form? I think it should be a challenge for us. <coughs> Jesus had an interesting question. Recorded by Luke, Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He says, When the Son of Man comes, he's talking about when he comes to redeem the church. Will, will he find faith on the earth. And then John writes in the Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. Be faithful until death. I'll give you the crown of life. May God help us not only to understand what faith is but also how important it is and know how we get it and also how we retain it and how we leave a witness for others to follow. May God bless you and me as we strive to accomplish that in our lives. Thank you.